0: What we find with most people is they don't know where to begin with their health. It often feels like they're on a bit of a roller coaster, there's symptoms that show up that maybe weren't there before, and they really feel like they're out of control. And we always find that if there's a structure, if there's a process, if there's a road map in order to start to make some massive difference in someone's health, it often starts with understanding the role of your metabolism and fasting and uh, in your hormonal system.
1: Yeah, we often talk about how our relationship to nourishment and food and our diet is a reflection of our relationship to everything. So symptoms like weight gain or fatigue or brain fog, like these things show up and we don't often know where to start. But if we can just start looking at what am I doing to nourish myself, it can create more clarity.
0: Mm-hmm. So the, the word fasting and you know balancing hormones it may seem like a scary place to be, it may sound like starvation, it may sound like wasting away, it may sound like slowing down your metabolic rate, all the different myths that show, are showing up in, in these health trends that, that are you know, complicated for people to understand. We wanna break that down in this podcast, help you understand more about those details and start to create a structure and a platform to really take control of your health. Welcome to the Health Ignited Podcast with your hosts, Dr. Nick and Sonia Jensen.
1: We are partners, parents, business partners, doctors, yoga teachers, and retreat leaders.
0: We promise to bring you real conversations to awaken and ignite your potential to live your best life possible.
1: Join us each week as we dive into topics varying from brain health, biohacking, hormones, and longevity,
0: to relationships, parenting, meditation, and more.
1: Together, creating community and building stronger foundations for the generations to come. Okay, so fasting is a topic that many people I think are getting introduced to. Um, It's definitely trending on social media and it's a medicine that's been used for thousands and thousands of years, but I don't think we had a clear understanding of the science until now. Um, Or maybe it was there and we just weren't aware of it because now all of a sudden, um, culturally, it's like everybody's asking the question, like what can fasting do for my health? You're on a five day fast, right Mm -hmm. now, and um, everyone has different intentions behind why they fast, so maybe let's start talking about what your intention was in this fast, like I know we're leading a group right now, and um, we live it to lead it, so we always wanna participate in what everybody else is doing, but what was your intention in doing a a water fast for five days?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little different every time, but there's an overall theme of just wanting to be as healthy as possible. You know, when we understand, you mentioned the science, the science has come a long way, I think, in explaining what's been going on for thousands of years. And because our, you know, sort of our motto or or the way that we operate, as you said, live it to lead it, is to, to not just be here longer on the planet, but have incredible health span while we're here and fasting is a big part of regenerating the cells and rejuvenating the body and bringing down inflammation, turning off dis-ease markers in the system, getting control of the hormonal system, so regulating mood and energy and, and fat burning to gut restoration. There's, like, there's a, such a long list of benefits to fasting that I want my body, my, my nervous system, my, my spiritual practice to dip its toe into that regularly enough. And you know that I've done too much fasting before Mm -hmm. (laughs) where I've, you know, fasted at least for five days every month for, Mm -hmm. we did that one year. And I remember I was getting to fasting burnout, but in the end of that year, whereas now I think creating some structure around, you know, the restrictive aspect of fasting and only doing that, you know, a few times a year, like two to four times a year. Well, I guess three to four times a year um, versus doing it say every month. Um, So for me, it's really about, all those benefits I just listed. But 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 also, you know, another overarching thing would be the just discipline. Because it's easy to just wander in life and just sort of not have a structure or some guidelines to follow. And it's just easy to just be on this sort of seafood diet. Like you see food, you, you might as well eat it. But being disciplined to avoid food for a period of time to let your body reset and heal is so important. So we have to consciously bring that to our life. Whereas maybe, you know, thousands of years ago or whatever the plan was back then there was just times without food because of scarcity and agriculture wasn't go up and running. And, you know, so, um, whereas in the past it would have been forced upon people as a result of the environment. Now it needs to be conscious, uh, discipline, but a conscious decision to discipline yourself, to avoid food for a period of time to let your body heal.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're definitely culturally overconsumption because there's, so much availability so we're not eating in season anymore and we're not even eat, eating when we're hungry it's like you said we're just eating when we see it We're like well we might as well yeah or I remember for myself when the kids were young they didn't finish their food I was just eating it because I don't want to waste food
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I want then that would be my nourishment so I think being conscious and aware of like how you can use fasting is important but it can also be very triggering for people that uh, maybe have had a history of disordered eating and don't know that we can do it in a conscious way to help support the body. So, what would you say to someone that maybe has a history of not really relating to food as its nourishment but instead it's been used as maybe a weapon or deprivation um, because of control challenges? So, there's so many different elements that will contribute to our relationship with food and then you know, if you see somebody on TikTok or Instagram talk about fasting and then they try it and all of a sudden they're going down this spiral um, from, like from an emotional standpoint. So what could somebody like that understand about fasting?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you bring up such a, an important topic like early in this discussion, which is, which is important because I think many people just sort of dive in because they, they look like they want to lose weight and they're really you know, concerned about how their body looks and feels and how others perceive them. And so maybe fasting for, for those individuals is really to just look at a way to, to, to be seen differently. Um, and so those that do have, you know, whatever you want to call it, disordered eating to, to more the like classical diagnosis of bulimia or anorexia or some of these things. And you probably have more, um, you know, reason to speak about this. But what we've seen in our practice and the people that we coach through this experience is that what we're really trying to do is create a new relationship with your body. One that is deeply respecting of you know, the, the hormonal swings that can show up from you know, uh, insulin changes or changes in our hormonal rhythms, which are going to drive us towards eating, or even just the, the changes in our hormones in, as a result of feeling, not feeling good about our bodies. I think there's so much happening behind the scenes that's dictating how we feel about ourselves. So when, when there is you know, some of this patterning for where there's destructive behavior going on, and I'd say destructive behavior would be anything where we're denying ourselves food because of somebody else or because, um, you, know, you mentioned intention before, that intention to not really look at food as a way to nourish ourselves, but maybe as a way to punish ourselves or to punish others. You know, going slow with this experience and or working with someone very specifically is, is a must, in my mm-hmm. opinion because creating that relationship with food in a healthy way I think is the platform for which fasting can begin. Mm-hmm. And we see this in our in our group programs often we're just teaching about nutrition. Yeah. And then slowly but surely getting people to walk this path of a fasting fasting, <laughs> fasting lifestyle yeah. so that they can you know first develop that healthy relationship with their body with with that food and then Understand some of the the other aspects that you can bring in with regards mm-hmm. to fasting um, So if I had to simplify that creating a healthy relationship with food first and yourself As you mentioned the beginning creating a clear intention and then if there's been any sort of Disruptive behavior in the past or if that's part of your picture definitely working with someone to get clear on those messages
1: mm-hmm. And does it have to be a water fast?
0: No, definitely not before we go there though yeah. Like what would you what would you say just given your own personal experience? And, you know, this concept of deprivation or, you know, um, you know punishing yourself or others for, through, through the, the weapon of food, mm-hmm. um, how do you relate to that?
1: Um, yeah, I think I've shared this before on our podcast, um, my challenge with anorexia growing up. And when you unravel the reasons behind it, it was for one, a sense of control, because it felt like in that moment, that's all I could control in my life. And then the other element was um, using it as a bit of a weapon, because knowing that food was such a big part of our culture and that is how people showed love. And so that was something that I was kind of denying in my life at that time, but also it took really one decision to shift myself out of that. But I know for many, it's not just one decision. It's um, multiple unraveling of different layers. So for me, it was just that one decision and knowing how much I love food and how much I know it nourishes me and um, making that shift that I really wanted to support my body was the catalyst for me to like understand my body and food in a very different way. So when I fast now, I don't do straight water fast. Mm-hmm. Just knowing my constitution, um, very particular about when I'm doing it, regards to my like cycle, season, um, and my constitution. So the more I've learned about that um, and understood myself, I feel like the better my relationship is to my body.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, obviously, a lot has changed for you since those teenage years, and there's so Mm -hmm. many complications, and you mentioned cultural ones and things like that. So obviously, you were going through a lot of the time, as would anybody that's that's you know experiencing any sort of challenges around food and how they're being seen, and you know their their reason to use food as a weapon, either to you know um, get attention from, from others that they're craving attention from, or, you know, all all the different reasons. And so that's obviously a really important, I think, thing to uncover. But essentially you, you really talked about this journey of transformation Mm -hmm. of changing relationship to yourself, to the food, to the experience, Mm -hmm. to your culture, to your family. Um,
1: it was a realization that I'm actually punishing myself. Yeah. I'm not actually doing anything to change people around me. Yeah. If anything, I'm changing the trajectory of my life, and the goal was to create attention so that people can see that I'm in pain, yeah. but that didn't work. Yeah. Like, it never does. So as soon as I was able to really see that, I had to be like, okay, well, I have to take care of me.
0: Mm-hmm. Would you say it worked a little bit, though? As in, like, your, yeah, your needs sure. were met to some degree because your, your family saw that you were
1: Yeah, and then they were, you know, asking others for help because they could see, like, she's not eating. Like, what can we do? So there was definitely pieces of that, but it still didn't change much Mm -hmm. of what I was trying to change. Mm -hmm. And so um, I had to change that relationship.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, like, what I said before, I'm so glad that you brought that up because that's such an important conversation I have whenever we talk about, you know, pulling food away.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's so much fear that can come up and triggers. And I think what you said in our introduction too about um, your metabolism going low. So if somebody is worried about different factors of aging and knowing that um, weight gain is a real thing around the belly, especially as we step into like perimenopause or andropause, and then you throw in fasting, but if their understanding of... Taking food away equals lowered metabolism, it's going to be a harder mindset to shift because you're going to think you're going to gain more weight because Mm -hmm. of it.
0: Yeah, totally. We've all been conditioned to think a certain way about food. And that's part of these discussions is to sort of break down some of the myths around what we've been told. Uh, On this topic, actually, I had a type 2 diabetic patient that came in. And she said that oh, I tried intermittent fa- fasting in the past, and actually, it really worked well. But my doctor told me that diabet- diabetic patients cannot absolutely, one hundred percent, know you should not fast. Mm-hmm. It can damage your body. And 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 I said to the patient, to some degree, like, listen, I'm not trying to be counter, you know, productive to what your doctor told you. But in fact, the the problem with type two diabetes is high insulin, and so the only way to lower insulin is to lower your carbohydrate intake, lower your protein intake, or to start to learn how to fast. So if you want to get a control of your metabolic function, your your weight, your energy, your mood, your brain health, you need to learn how to fast again. And after doing it for two weeks, she was just like, oh my goodness, I can't believe like how, how much better I feel. I feel so empowered because now I can take control of my health. I can re-implement fasting because I know I felt better in the past when I did it. But to the point of... These ideas get imprinted into our mm-hmm. psychology and then they become a reality for us just because we believe them, not because they're actually true, right. metabolically or physically speaking or what have you. So this is an interesting story of, of someone who's, who basically changed the trajectory of her health as a result of one conversation mm-hmm. from her doctor. And who knows what her doctor really said and how, what, the, what the interpretation was. Obviously, I don't think any doctor is out to hurt their patients. But there's so much limited information, unfortunately, in conventional medicine around fasting. And thank, thankfully for, you know, doctors like Dr. Jason Fung and Dr. Walter Longo and some of these other researchers that are really helping people to, to you know, really educate that fasting is, is, can be very safe and it can be a really powerful tool and should mm-hmm. be utilized for most people. Yeah. So you, you brought up there's different kinds of fasts, right? Yeah. So do you want to go there now?
1: Yeah. So maybe talk about why you, you do a water fast and what happens through that.
0: hmm. So, you know, I mentioned all the reasons why I like to fast somewhat regularly throughout the year. Um, why? I mean, there's different kinds of fasts. So there's like maybe a partial fast, which might be like restricting a certain amount of calories into a smaller meal window for, you know, we usually recommend we usually shoot for five days for most mm-hmm. of our fasting experiences. Right. And the reason for the five days, just to throw that out at first, some of the research of Dr. Walter Longo shows that maximal stem cell production happens in this five-day window or maximal secretion and growth hormone increase is going to be in this sort of five-day window. And so we we're getting more benefit from doing a slightly longer than, say, two or three-day fast. So that, that's the first thing. So one might do a partial fast or uh, maybe add in some fat or bone broth or, you know, there's different ways to do fast. But ultimately the reason I choose to do a water fast is because what I find from my own body is that energy starts to climb up around day three. Um, My brain starts to feel more clear. I feel more creative. Uh, My inflammation, my body goes down as in like, I don't wake up with as many aches and pains. Um, as I might you know from the just the daily wear and tear and um, uh, And w- water gets me into that state of ketosis faster than mm-hmm. if I was to do just a smaller meal window or a partial fast or, or use other things in the fasting experience and then I, I really test the the level of discipline in my body by you know letting myself know I'm pausing certain things for a period of time and I'm, I'm feeling really rewarded as a result of doing that so there's many Layers of experience that show up as a result of a water fast versus, you know, some of these mm-hmm. other types.
1: So if somebody just did a two-day water fast, would that be enough and beneficial? Because that might be a question that the listeners are having. Well, okay, well, I can't do five r- right away, and mm-hmm. nor do we recommend just jumping into a fast. There's a certain way that we teach so that people understand um, how to utilize fasting the best for their constitution and their yeah. bodies. But what if somebody just starts with two days?
0: Yeah, well, I think you you said it. I don't care if someone's doing one day water fast mm-hmm. or five days. Um, or you might need a little bit more lead time with a five day fast. But I think everyone should prepare properly. Because why not show up with your best foot forward instead of saying, look, well, I want to try this. Mm-hmm. Well, why not prepare yourself even if you're about to do a one or two day fast? And that beca- that that's this process, we call it the metabolic upgrade, which is where you're going through this four-week experience of really training your body to be more efficient in this time away from food. Because I think, you know, if we were to enter into this experience and maybe we had a really crappy time, we may not want to do it again, right? Right? So I'd rather everybody get prepared physiologically, mentally, understand the science behind it, so that you can practice, it's a practice, it's not like, oh, I'm going to try this, I'm moving on to the next interesting thing. We really, as we teach, this, is, this needs to be a lifestyle change that people implement. So why not set yourself up for success so that you can be really easily move through a one, two day water fast, three day water fast, or be more prepared for a five day. So in my opinion, I think that the same preparation should be involved in leading into that experience. What, what about you?
1: Yeah, I think for me, um, knowing thyself first. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like looking at Ayurvedic constitutions. So me being someone that's got about the constitution, it's uh, very clearly stated in Ayurvedic medicine that I should not do more than two days of water fasting and even that's a bit of a stretch. And so that actually gave me permission to find other ways to have the same results. So what Mm -hmm. I've learned for me is doing about three days of partial, so that's me preparing to get into the water fast, I can do then the two day water fast, no problem. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's important to know yourself know your hormones know your constitution so then you can make the proper decisions and then learn how to prepare for the fast that you decide
0: yeah and you've been doing this for years yeah so you you're like this is something i think that's important for listeners too is that we're sort of always preparing for a fast of some sort right in the sense that you're becoming metabolically efficient so if there's time away from food your body knows how to shift gears relatively mm. easy in comparison to someone who's just eating the standard American diet, with snacks through the day and just going, okay, I want to try a water fast and yeah. bang, they get into it and they may have a really crappy time with yeah. it, right? Yeah, and
1: that's the thing I think what fasting allowed us to do is to reconsider what our daily habits were gonna look like outside of a fast. Yeah. So you start to learn that, okay, I actually don't need to snack, that's more habit than anything. That's more correlation Oh, we're watching a movie with the kids, so that means we need a bowl of popcorn or mm-hmm. whatever it is, it's usually more habit than necessity. For nutrition. So when you start to realize that, you're like, hey, well, I can get rid of those snacks, don't need those anymore. That in itself tries to change the metabolic health of an individual.
0: Mhm. So what do you think is the most important place to start for someone? Like, you know, again, this is stuff that we teach in our course, but what do you, like, what do you think, you know, you keep bringing up this, you know, know thyself experience. Like, what do you think is the most important thing that people can start to do when they start on a journey like this?
1: Um, like, Physically in terms of to be physically
0: it could be a mindset. It could be anything like yeah. where do you, where do you well, think it's starting, like starting
1: point? with mindset first yeah. um, Knowing your why so maybe your why is to um, lose a little bit of weight and that's okay, mm-hmm. but knowing um, That intention first and then getting the tools to understand how you can slowly get to a place where you can fast a little bit more so maybe if you're eating five times a day like your trainer has told you because that was the the old way of Mm -hmm. regulating your blood sugar throughout the day. Maybe you just take away the snacks and you're just eating the three meals and see how that feels. And you shrink your window just a little bit, see how that feels. For women, I would say track your cycle, see what kind of cravings you're having throughout your cycles, figure out is it easier for you in your first half to have a shorter window of eating and then maybe you expand that window in the second half of your cycle. So just start to become curious about the needs of your body, but then also recognizing, is it an actual need or is it just a habit that's been there for a long time? And so maybe you just start off with taking the snacks away. You're just eating those three meals and then you go down to the two meals and see how that feels. And then from there, you can bring in maybe a 24 hour fast to see how that feels in your body too. So just experimenting with what feels good for you.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, literally what you laid out is is a sequence for people to experiment with to, see how their body metabolically adapts as in like how well do you feel as far as energy goes Um, maybe brain fog um, endurance um, you know the the fatigue levels like your your ability to move through your day without much struggle really that's what you're sort of pulsing into your life
1: yeah and I love hearing that from patients when I'll first say okay let's just start with a 24-hour fast, oh, I can't, mm-hmm. I don't know if I can do it. And then they'll reach like the 20-hour mark and they're like, oh my God, I did it. So maybe, yeah, the first time it is only 20 hours, but they feel amazing. Yeah. And it's such a feeling of victory of like, oh, this thing that I thought was so hard, but I can actually do it. So then the next time they do 22 hours and then they jump into the 24. Yeah. So I think just that gaining that feeling of like, Here's something that I was told never to do Mm -hmm. that's gonna bring about pain, but actually it's the opposite. You feel so much better and clearer.
0: Yeah, yeah. remember back when I was first fasting and then you were, I remember you would like tell the staff, you know, make sure you get this guy some food because he's got so much buzzy energy. Mm -hmm. He must be like low blood sugar because like he's, he's maybe extra productive or energetic or like, you always had shaky heads. Manic or something. Like there's something <laughs> yeah, <you see> manic. <laughs> interesting going on with my nervous system when I was learning how to fast. Mm-hmm. And to me, I was like, I feel great. I can go the whole day and I can eat dinner when I come home or just maybe just have two meals a day. This is when I was first starting to experiment. Mm-hmm. And it was it was mind-blowing to see how much more energy I had. Because we had we a newborn at that time. Like mm-hmm. We weren't sleeping well. Uh, you were sleeping worse, obviously, than I was. But... The point is, is that we didn't have a solid recovery plan like most people with like older kids or right. that aren't being interrupted multiple times in the night. So right. I, was like, I was feeling unhealthy before I started it, and it was mind-blowing. I literally didn't get a cold for like five or six years mm-hmm. after I first started implementing it. And so I saw the profound benefit of fasting on my immune system.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like It was yeah. unbelievable.
1: So something to highlight there... Um, I didn't start with you because, like you said, we had a newborn, I was Mm -hmm. nursing, and so I was at a very different place than you were, but what can Mm -hmm. happen in a couple is that we see our partner do something, and we're like, okay, if you have maybe a competitive edge that you want to match them. you
0: kind of do. I
1: do, but I knew I couldn't (laughs) fast. Obviously, I was so hungry because I was nursing, Um, but I think it's important if you as a couple are starting to go Mm. on this adventure together to recognize that how men fast is different than how women fast.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, And you mentioned some of that earlier, which was Mm -hmm. regards to like whether you're in perimenopause or menopause, Mm -hmm. where you are in your cycle, because that's going to matter too. Uh, So I think highlighting that for women and then, yeah, for men, because we don't have this monthly cycle and we don't necessarily... we we don't need to depend on that cycle as part of our, you know, monthly rhythm and how food restriction or time meal, closing our meal window could impact us over like this longer experience. Yeah. Like
1: we need food to create hormones. Yeah. So we
0: both do, right? Yeah. But it's just, yeah, more particular to your cycle. Yeah. Yeah. With
1: like the estrogen and the progesterone and all of that. So we just, Mm -hmm. we need more because, they're all being made from cholesterol. So if we're not getting enough nourishment, we're not going to have enough to. It's like you know, some people or women when they're um, an athlete yeah. and maybe they have more of a restrictive diet, and yet they're and burning so much yeah. energy at the same time. You usually, get some sort of secondary amenorrhea where they're not bleeding at all because they're not producing the hormones that they need.
0: Yeah. Well, it's it's important to bring this up too because if if someone is starting to do too much fasting, again, yeah. man or woman. Also pay attention to those signs. Yeah, right? like so that'd be hair one hair loss yeah.
1: is an, a huge one that a lot of women will experience. But yeah, irregularity in your cycle. Some women actually um, gain weight mm-hmm. when they're not getting enough food in their diet. So paying attention to like the nuances that are happening because sometimes we find something that works mm-hmm. and then we overdo it. So this is where the talk around like seasons too of like what's the right season to fast or season of life, but also season when it comes to like fall, winter, spring and summer, recognizing what's the best time to like limit those eating windows. So if we look at our ancestry, perhaps during the winter time there was less available. And so, you know, we're gonna probably be in a little bit more ketosis naturally or need to be in that. And then summertime comes, there's more availability for carbohydrates. So what you eat is gonna be different and our microbiome changes throughout the year too. So. I think there's so many nuances we have to pay attention to when we're making decisions about food and fasting that we forget because we find one solution and then we run with it mm-hmm. for the entire year.
0: Yeah, which is essentially what I did that, that one yeah.
1: year. <laughs> we fasted every month. Because I saw it as
0: a challenge. Here's a challenge. Sometimes for
1: like 10 days. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: And I learned a ton from it you too. You did, yeah. So like there's value there too, but maybe a little and bit And I learned what not to do. Yeah, exactly. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So you brought up this thing about men and women having different experiences, potentially, and also just you know from one person to the next might have mm-hmm. a different experience. And so, how do we help people sort of navigate that challenge? Because some people might do really great, and you know if you use a weight loss as a marker, weight loss is comes out, is is very easy for one person, where it may be more challenging for someone else. Where do people get say metabolically stuck or? What else needs to shift when thinking about implementing fasting? Like, what are some other things you think of for people when they get Um, stuck?
1: Well, stress levels. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, so if we're not learning ways to manage our cortisol, then it's really hard to manage our glucose levels and our insulin at the same time. So making sure we're working on our nervous system while we're implementing something like this, because if we feel like we're doing all the right things, but yet nothing is shifting in our weight, we want to look at those hormones like cortisol so that's stress then we want to look at our other hormones and toxicity that could be contributing to that load and maybe there's some movement but then all of a sudden we hit a plateau and we get stuck so we need to do a deeper dive of like okay what could be you know putting um an extra load in my bucket so is that toxicity in my environment the quality of the food that I'm eating in my window, like what does that look like? Because mm-hmm. I know there's been studies that were done where intermittent fasting worked and the people were just eating whatever they wanted. But then, yes, it may work for a short period of time, but you wanna look at the quality of the oils you're having, the foods you're eating, so that you can actually get maximum results.
0: Mm-hmm. And you you brought up a good point here and that's know thyself, right? So yeah. paying attention to you know when something works, when it stops working, being able to break down some of the obstacles to why we're not getting better, and this is where like knowing your numbers—if mm-hmm. you can know your hormonal levels, maybe through a Dutch test, you know, yeah. to look at all the different sex hormones, the cortisol rhythm, the DHEA, all that rhythm throughout the
1: day—that's
0: yeah. super important. Maybe
1: doing a DNA test.
0: DNA but, test yeah. to find out which kind of foods are you're predisposed to—you know—managing or breaking down well. You know how you're breaking down toxins. You know, so a heavy metal tests too could be another one if there if they're, there's a toxicity load going into someone's you know health bucket so to speak mm-hmm. and then the other one is like just looking at your blood sugar levels looking mm-hmm. at your ketone levels you know we have many people that do intermittent fasting and their blood sugar is still high their insulin's still high and so they're not making progress because they haven't actually quantitatively looked at what their met- metabolism is doing um, and so I did a little experiment this time right, right? Yes.
1: oh that's where you were going with this
0: Yeah, well, it's like you brought up know thyself and then to someone that might be like I can know myself through my behaviors, my patterns, through my emotional state, how I mood changes throughout my monthly cycle. If if you're a woman or for a man, like what are things that trigger me emotionally or maybe there's food addiction um, or emotional eating where we're, we're changing our behavior with food just because we're emotionally stressed out. Those are all super important to take a look at and we can get some objective data. So you know we mentioned some tests. So one of the things I'm doing, um, can't see it right now, but I've got a little patch on the back of my uh, tricep and it's called a continuous glucose monitor. And basically I take my phone and I tap it onto this little glucose monitor and it gives me a real time reading of my blood glucose levels. And we saw some interesting stuff. So I I put this on a day before I started my fast and um, I had some food that I don't usually have and I saw some wild, uh waking glucose numbers and then i saw some some dips and crashes as i got into my to my fast um but what what is so interesting to me with this continuous glucose monitor is that this my blood your blood sugar is constantly changing Mm -hmm. throughout the day Mm -hmm. so even when we're getting a fasting glucose with someone it's kind of making me think differently about that and like what what's your diet been like for the last week what are your current stress levels how did you sleep last night You know, what are some of these like actual really interesting variables that can actually spike your blood glucose because your cortisol shot up, right?
1: Mm. Well, that's important to differentiate because when people get tested for um, diabetes and whatnot, often they're just looking at fasting glucose, but you want to be looking at your fasting insulin, obviously your hemoglobin A1c because the fasting glucose is just a reflection of your day, really, or the night before, in that moment. So like you said, maybe you woke up a bit stressed out or maybe you didn't have a good sleep or maybe the night before you had popcorn
0: (laughs) at the movie theater. (laughs) Right, yeah. Double whammy, bad fats, bad carbs, right?
1: Yeah, so maybe like those things will influence that morning, but yet the diagnosis happens according to that one number. So I think looking at the full picture is so important.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the other thing that I've seen is like, obviously with exercise, blood sugar goes up and that's important for people to know too. Um, like so, emotional stress, and then the food choices obviously have a huge mm-hmm. effect on on what that blood glucose does. And like, it's not just what you ate today; it's mm-hmm. what you ate yesterday, the day before, maybe even a week before. It's dictating your body's ability to regulate your blood sugar. So this is why we said, you know, at the beginning of this talk, it's like if you start creating structure and have some form and and sort of a roadmap for getting a handle of your hormonal system, it has to start with learning how to have time away from food mm-hmm. and creating that new relationship to th- food through this process of fasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's cool to see, again, the creating the you diet that we always talk about, mm-hmm. right? So the more you know, and you can see, okay, well, I ate this food and it increased my blood sugar or I ate this food and it actually stabilized or lowered, yeah. it'll give you more of a clue, uh, even with healthy foods, uh, what's going to influence it.
0: Yeah. and so extremely powerful now other what are some other ways that we test our, our blood so glucose ketone meters what are we looking for there y- you want me <laughs> you like trying to bounce that one back to me
1: yeah maybe um so yeah ketones we're looking at if they're going up while you're on a fast so we can see that your body is now going from sugar burning to fat burning because we have fat around our ourselves um, around our organs so um, to talk about a bit of a story, maybe I've shared this on the podcast before, but when we were in school and doing a cadaver lab, there were two women that we were working on and one woman um, was a little bit um, curvier, whereas the other woman wasn't. So on the outside in looking, you would think that um, you know maybe the other woman didn't have a healthy diet or what was going on. But when we actually did the cadaver, the skinnier woman had more fat around her organs than the other woman did, mm. and um, so from outside in, you can't, you don't know mm-hmm. how much is available, and there's so much energy available around those organs. So that is what fasting also allows is for us to burn away some of that fat, because then we can use it as ketones.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, and this is this is sort of the metabolic conundrum that that most people are stuck in is that most people based on eating the standard american diet or having snacks every few hours they're metabolically dependent on glucose yeah and they're little those little mitochondria those little energy producing you know organelles inside of our cells as sugar goes up we don't need as many of them per cell because there's just a plenty plentiful supply of glucose waiting to be used yeah. and that works until it doesn't so when it doesn't work anymore that's type 2 diabetes or insulin resistance you know all the things that lead us to you know, weight gain brain fog you know all the symptoms we just previously described so this alternative fuel i like to say we have a hybrid engine we also have fat that's that's waiting to be used to the point of like the fat that's around our visceral organs yeah. the fat that's under subcutaneous like under our skin um, there's thousands of calories waiting to be used and so when people are stuck in this old model of caloric counting we're, we're, we're only counting the food that's going in. We're not actually metabolically counting any of the fat that's waiting to be utilized in, in storage because we're not actually learning or understanding that we tap into that when we have time away from food. And so the whole idea of getting a certain amount of calories in through the day just doesn't make sense when you actually look at hormones. it be kind hormones. of cool to
1: like have a screening device that you like step into, you eat something, and yeah. then you can see what's happening, almost like an X-ray or MRI right. to show you where all the particles the are, going. are going. Where the energy going, yeah. That, be, that might maybe be a future Maybe Yeah. create one one maybe. day. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just had a thought. I was thinking about the Jetsons for some reason. Right. And just kind of going through this, like, or that Dr. Seuss book, Inside Your Outside. Oh, yeah, Road. Inside Your Outside. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, you get to see where all the, the yeah. food is going.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Super interesting. Yeah. But, you know, so on that point, really, what we're what we're looking at is are our hormones working efficiently to bring like so insulin in particular, is it efficiently working to grab that sugar that's in the glucose or so in the blood to drive that into the cell to give that glucose to the mitochondria for yeah. energy?
1: And this is like the number one challenge a perimenopausal woman has mm-hmm. because she becomes more insulin resistant and the sensitivity to insulin goes down, so it's harder for insulin to actually grab on to that glucose and push it into the cell.
0: Yeah. So another factor, people are doing intermittent fasting. Here's another sort of thing to pay attention to is, I can't tell you how many of our patients are doing intermittent fasting now, because it's obviously trendy and people are learning more about it, but they're still eating way too late at night. Yeah. And this is so important because we are more insulin resistant as the night goes on. So we're completely dependent on our circadian clock. So you even have, if someone has a messed up sleep schedule or they're shift working or they're just going to bed too late or they're eating too late at night, the body's getting mixed signals. And so it's going to be harder to, to get our weight loss goals or energy goals or all the different goals uh, for why someone maybe would have implemented intermittent fasting to begin with. And if you haven't closed the kitchen early at night, Early enough at night, it's gonna be a huge effect on your waking blood glucose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. So it's just looking at um, how out of rhythm are you yeah. with your body.
0: Totally. Yeah. And that's part of knowing thyself, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, so if we can't get clear on, you know, just how our day is set up, right? If we don't go to bed on time, if we're not waking up consistently a certain time, if we don't have a bit of a morning routine that Metabolically lets our body know what's happening or, or even like delaying our caffeine intake There's so many little tweaks that we can do to our daily schedule that, that optimizes our hormonal function, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so fasting it's a big topic.
0: Yeah, yeah. It Feels like you're sort of putting a stamp in.
1: I think so. I think that's a lot for people to digest
0: <laughs> <laughs> Emotionally or psychologically yeah, <laughs> yeah Cognitively digest. Yeah Okay, so that's that's fasting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay.
1: (laughs) I mean, there's so much more we can talk about on this topic, but I think that's a lot to digest. So, in summary, I would say know thyself
0: Mm -hmm. before
1: you embark on the journey. If you're already on the journey, do a deeper dive. Maybe get the CGM. Maybe do a DNA test. Maybe do all these things to kind of recognize. Okay, how can I upgrade? The fasting that i'm already doing mm-hmm. and knowing that um, it is something that everyone can do you just have to find your way
0: now that now you put the pin in it i put yeah. the pin in to it. be continued yes yeah <laughs> so you may have been following us for a little while or maybe you're brand new to our channel either way we want you to have the opportunity to really deepen your experience of what you're learning either you worked with us virtually you've done some of our courses Um, But we want to give you the opportunity to be in the fold of our community, to be with us more regularly, and that's the Health Ignited Club.
1: Yeah, community is so important to us, and we learn so much from each other. And I think getting together, when we do once a month, it just um, invites us to ask more questions about ourselves, about our journey, about our health. So we would love for all of you to join us there.
0: Yeah, and you know, so much of our health plans are really dictated around life. Life is crazy. Life is challenging. It's easy to fall off the wagon, so to speak. And we've got a touch point each month, and we've got resources for you in the membership portal. There's so much to keep you in, in the mo- momentum and the motivation of, of really making everything that you're learning into a lifestyle practice. Mm-hmm.
1: It's all about accountability and support.
0: Yeah, so join us there at Health Ignited Club.